Let us worship God. Our reading is from the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy One, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word, and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Amen. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself 
but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, <clears throat> near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman from Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship God neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here now, and the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth, for the Creator seeks such as these to worship God. God is spirit, and those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
A continuation from John. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard it for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Here ends the reading. I'll never forget the first time I met David's niece and nephews. We were still in seminary, newly dating, and were in the early days of navigating what it meant to be a mixed-age couple. David's sister, Amy, was living in Carmel and invited us over for dinner. On the way down, I was filled with that meeting the family for the first time anticipation. And when we walked in the door, Amy's high school and middle school aged kids greeted me with open arms. There was no tentativeness, no hesitation. I was concerned it was going to be weird for them, having this person closer in age to them dating their uncle. And it was our first meeting. I'm used to being a little skeptical of anybody coming into my family or my life. But they weren't. They were warm and open. And it was shocking. And it totally transformed me. My whole body settled. I could be warm back. It was one of the first moments I began to believe it might actually be okay for me to be who I am in the body that I have 
and to love who I love. I never had to think about that before David. I never knew that would be a question. It was one of those magical experiences of being healed by someone's welcome, like the scales just falling away. Maybe you have a moment like that, a moment when you expected to be treated like an outsider, like there was just something not quite right about you, and you were welcomed like a beloved member of the family instead. That's the story of our reading from John. Jesus is on his way to his hometown, where he anticipates, as is the case for prophets, that he'll be rejected. And on his way, he stops in Sychar, the place known in Genesis as Sheshem, the town where Jacob, or Israel, settled with his family. This is the land where, after just arriving, Jacob's only named daughter, Dinah, is assaulted by the prince of the town whose name was Sheshem. In the story, her brothers become incensed that their sister has been treated, to use the language of Genesis, as a harlot. And in a plot for vengeance, the men of Sheshem are deceived into undergoing circumcision with the promise of being able to keep Dinah and to intermarry with the daughters of Israel. While still recovering from the procedure, Dinah's brothers attack and kill all the males of the town. In all the feelings voiced and in all the actions taken, we never do hear from Dinah. She is only ever known through the violence and the stories of others. So it is in this place, beside Jacob's well, where Dinah would have gone to visit the women of the town on that notorious day, that Jesus meets an unnamed woman whose reputation precedes her. Much to her surprise, when Jesus speaks to her, he uses the language of family. He addresses her using the same word he used for his mother. He gives her inside information about what is to come. He's unafraid to share utensils with her, though her people were long viewed as impure due to the Samaritan's own history of intermarriage. All this, and he recognizes her own personal story, a history of partners that made her an outsider in her own community. Shocking and totally transformative. At Jacob's well, this unnamed woman finally speaks. And after the shock wears off, she responds to this outsider from Galilee as a family member as well. She acknowledges the truths normally reserved for the private spheres of life, and she asks for what she needs a spring of living water. 
And then, like a stone skipping across a lake, she returns to her community. In speaking with them, she begins a ripple effect of change. More and more people who were seen either by themselves or by others as outsiders begin to be recognized and welcomed with the language of family. Outsiders begin to abide with insiders, one with another. Of course, when Jesus' disciples return, it takes some time to catch up to what has been happening. Last they saw him, the world was as they expected it to be. A Samaritan woman was not someone to engage, was certainly not part of their inner circle or family. They didn't know about the transformation that took place. In the span of buying food, two outsiders at a well created a wave of belonging, making insiders of an entire people. That's the labor the disciples entered, the labor of seeing one another as kin. The fruit of the field they've been harvesting has been grown through the work of healing divisions. After all this time, after all the violence, after all the stories told, Jesus greets this unnamed daughter at Jacob's well. And she gets to say what she wants, what she needs. And she's the one who goes about doing the work for the disciples to follow. Different from her brothers, it's not the work of attacking, not of deception, not of violence, but of healing. This is the place, and this is the person Jesus stops to visit on his way home. On his way to a community, he anticipates will reject him. Tired from a long journey, he sits beside a well that holds deep origins of trauma for his people. And there he beholds the truth of who he is, of who the unnamed outcast is. An anointed child of God, members of one another, worthy of welcome without reservation, and filled with an eternal spring of life. Arising from this place, he continues his journey, extending healing to those in need. Though the road to believing we are all of us, worthy of unreserved welcome, can be long and circuitous, this is the labor we enter the labor of our ancestors, of those named and unnamed. It is the labor of attending to the wounds living within and among us, the labor of remaining curious about the stories that proclaim us as other. It is the loving labor of walking each other home. So then, like a stone skipping across the lake. And in the spirit of Dinah, 
May we send forth ripples of healing as we go. Amen.
as we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
pray. Holy One, you have fed us in word, in silence, in song, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth this day like a stone skipping across the water, offering ripples of welcome wherever you go. And may the grace of God who created you in love the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be loved, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Amen.